yeah, it was really, really exciting to, I guess, be at the forefront of the industry. And, you know, back then it was about convincing people why they should, you know, be on social media, why that, why it's such a great place to, to market and, and, and advertise their business. Nowadays, you know, things have changed. Of course, people understand the power of social media and why it's such a critical part of any, any media plan. Influencers of varying scale have become a burgeoning subject on the program as of late, and I'm not surprised. As advertising becomes harder and more expensive, it's for sellers to rethink how to use it effectively, especially for new and upcoming brands. This is where a subject like influencer marketing becomes pivotal to success, as growing brands can align themselves with people trying to grow their own platforms as well. Enter Social Media College and my guest, CEO and founder, Jonathan Tanner. Like how influencers can vary in terms of scale, so too can this revolutionary educational program find various methods to share its knowledge with others. One such method, having him on the program today. Enjoy. Jonathan Tanner, it is great to have you here on Ecomotics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Yeah, really well. Look, great to be here. It's really uh, it's exciting to have a have a chat with you. It's great to have you here. Uh, I was I was workshopping different ways to to introduce the show. Today was supposed to be the first day of it because I realized as I asked people how they're doing, how they're feeling, I'd already asked that before turning on the recording. So I was trying to think of some way to keep the redundancy down, and I did not uh, succeed in that. So that is my, um, my meta analysis for the day. So uh, Jonathan Tanner, first question that I'm going to. Uh, Post to you to get the ball rolling is for you to tell us what you do and what are you up to these days. Yeah, sure. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of a business called Social Media College, and we're based out of Sydney, Australia. And we are exactly that. We're a school that educates people on how to use social media marketing to grow their business. And we've been around now for about six or seven years. So we've, you know, we've we've been in the market for quite some time. And since then, you know, we've, we've really kind of expanded all of the different courses that we offer and really kind of expanded who, who it is that we teach. And some of the, the courses, a lot of the courses are delivered through our partner universities and colleges, but also we do a, you know, a ton of stuff direct to students as well. Yeah, I'm going to put a, a make sure I put a note for, for that as well, just to follow up on the relationships between uh, you know, your school, which I'm assuming it's fine to call it a school and then the relationship with the other universities that's that's a fascinating aspect in and of itself but the first thing that sticks out to me is that this is really the first formal qualification anybody anywhere in the world can get a degree in social media did i am i I getting that right yeah so well that's the that's i guess the first product as we call them now because we have a, a pretty wide suite but the first yeah the first course that we developed was the diploma of social media marketing so in australia what they allow private companies to do is actually go and accredit courses in new and emerging areas that the government itself is not yet covering. And because of the rate of change that's occurring in the economy, you know, we identified that social media in particular was, was under addressed. And so we, we went and we accredited the Diploma of Social Media Marketing. And it sort of operates a little bit like a, a patent. It's a five-year patent. It's a rolling five-year patent. So every five years, we need to go and resubmit to the government to get it reaccredited, which we just recently did. And with that particular course, the diploma, yeah, it, it was, you know, the first uh, and, and only formal qualification in social media marketing in Australia. And at the time that we first accredited it, um, we haven't, haven't, done the, haven't done the analysis for a while, but at the time that we first accredited it, we couldn't actually find any other formal qualification anywhere in the world mm-hmm. that did the same. Um, so, yeah, it was really, really exciting to, I guess, be at the forefront of the industry. And, you know, back then, it was about convincing people why they should, 
you know, beyond social media, why that, why it's such a great place to, to market and, and, and advertise their business. Nowadays, you know, things have changed. Of course, people understand the power of social media and why it's such a critical part of any, any media plan. And, you know, now it's, it's really about um, making sure that we, we keep the, the course content as up to date as possible, which uh, is a huge challenge for us given the rate of change that there is. But yeah, so with that particular course, the diploma, um, that's the one that we, we, in most cases, we go and partner with, with colleges. They're called registered training organizations here in Australia, colleges mm-hmm. essentially. And some of those colleges are feeder colleges into universities as well, which is really, really exciting to work with, um, with some of the universities. And the way that works is, is we take, we provide them with the course, but we give it, it's, we sort of call it like a turnkey solution. You know, typically some of the uh, more established colleges out there, they're just not great at innovation, you know, and, and they're also, you know, well, they are. And, and look, they, they admit it as well. You know, they're the first ones to admit it. And so we come in, we give them this, this you know, solution that really is, is, makes it really, really easy to deliver this course. And then we support them with sales and marketing as well. And it's, it's a business model that's really resonated uh, with all of our partners. And then over time, what's happened is we've now started expanding into short courses. So non-accredited courses, more focused on particular topic areas like LinkedIn marketing or Facebook advertising or Instagram marketing, whatever it is. And, and now what we're finding is that a lot of those partners now are are adopting those courses uh, as well. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a fascinating mm-hmm. journey for us. Yeah, there, there was definitely a distinction there that I wanted to make sure that I got, which was whether all of the services or that I had seen on the website were all um, commensurate with the, uh, with the diploma or if the diploma was a separate thing and then you can take all the additional courses. So that's one thing I wanted to clear up, make sure it's also uh, clear for my, uh, my audience as well. And then in, in the midst of that, you know, the, the journey of getting this accredited was also something that, you know, you're, you're, you're describing. And I guess I was imagining that there was much more of an adventure to it where there, there was, a, there was an area where you have to really prove and validate that this course has enough uh, value and enough impact in not you know in society in business and culturally to 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 uh, raise itself to the point of credit accreditation. So, what was your pitch when you were you know describing this? And you know what information were you using? What what data did you have on hand to say, look, this is something that needs to have um, the the accreditation for it? Yeah, I probably massively oversimplified the process that we had to go through the first time around, and it was that you know it was looking at as many different data points as we possibly could to try and justify why we felt that there was a need for a formal qualification in this area. So at the time, it's going back a few years at the time, you know, we were looking at, you know, growth of, of revenue, even of some of the social media platforms to say, Hey, look, look at how, how much money is pouring into the ad platforms of, of these guys, but also growth in number of users, time spent on social media as well. Uh, engagement levels, et cetera. And so we, you know, we had to work really, really hard to, to demonstrate to the, to, to the Australian government why there was a need for this formal qualification. Second time around, all we had to do was put the enrollment data in front of them. I think now we're up to something like 5,000 enrollments in the diploma overall, which is, which is an incredible in number when you think about you know, 5,000 people that we've been able to, to impact with this, uh, just with that qualification, let alone some of the other short courses that we have. And and I think, I think when when the second time around, when they saw the the volume and the demand that there was for this particular area, I think it was a bit of a no brainer to reaccredit us the second time. Yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind is the you know the stigma attached to what one might consider to be a social media user, 
I've seen you know, millennials, pre-millennials, post-millennials, um, for for one. Uh, and and I think so. Uh, beyond that, I think social media for a long time it doesn't really have it anymore. But for a long time, it did have. Um, a, you know, an insider's club uh, feel to it. Like the only people on Twitter was this, you know, insular group. S- same same would go for, well, Tumblr, not so much. For me, Twitter was really the one that sticks out. But that is just not the case at this point. At this point, social media is, it's embedded in each person's life. It, it's not to the extent of, oh, I'm building a brand and I'm, and I, and I have my, my my Twitter routine and I have followers on Instagram, but even something as simple as, you know, grandma posting about the, the cookies that she baked to come up with the most, you know, pedestrian uh, analogy that I can. Uh, it's it, it's all over. I, I It's hard to imagine anywhere that has escaped that, that has not also escaped the digital world uh, altogether. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think you, you've only got to look at the usage statistics. I think we're now it's over a third of the world's population is now an active social media user. You know, they're using it actively every every single week. And, you know, the numbers just keep climbing. Facebook numbers just keep climbing. If you look at the, the baby boomers, you know, that generation, they're the most uh, fastest growing and the most active on that. So it certainly has gone mainstream. We're now looking at penetration into all age demographics. And I think most people understand now it's, it's here to stay. It's not mm-hmm. going anywhere. And if people are spending a bunch of their time on social media, then obviously it's a good place for brands to to uh, be active and and have a really really big presence. So the um, the other thing that I made a note of earlier was just about um, you know working with uh, with other schools. So from the perspective of a student, uh, and regardless of what I'm I'm enrolled in, I mean there's different degrees of how I think relevant social media is. You know I, I'm just gonna uh, take a shot and I can say somebody who's focused on, you know, engineering probably isn't on social media as much as maybe somebody who's, uh, you know, in, in athletics or really anything more, more public facing. So all of that aside, what, uh, how does a person, you know, discover the program and, you know, and sign up for that? And what do, what do they get out of it while also balancing their own, uh, their own course load? So I like to think about the education market in, in two ways. And, and it's a really simple model, but it, it, it kind of makes sense. There's a proportion of the market out there who undertakes uh, study to signal to a prospective employer that they have a certain skill set and that they are therefore you know, worthy of a particular job. So the diploma product in particular is, is focused on those people that are, are looking for either a career change or they're looking to kind of kickstart their career. Um, because in getting that piece of paper, you know, that formal qualification, it's a signal to employers that they are equipped to, to do, do the job well. On the other side, you know, and, and really this is the big trend that we've seen in the education market over the last two or three years, is this kind of move away, actually move away from formal qualifications for a lot of people that traditionally would um, do them mm-hmm. uh, towards uh, what we call short courses, right? And with short courses, unlike formal qualifications, which are about signaling, short courses are about skills, right? So you've got signal versus skills. Skills is like, look, I don't need the, the piece of paper. You know, I what I really, really need is rapid upskilling. You know, the again, I already flagged this, you know, we're seeing just this incredible amount of change in the economy and it's so rapid that people just don't have time. And one of the challenges of the diploma product is it's a nine to 12 month course. And, you know, we, we our, our best selling uh, non-award program, short courses, is called the Social Media Marketing Intensive. And what we really did is we we kind of compressed the diploma into this nine-week program. 
and we delivered it, delivered it, you know, very differently. We do, um, you know, four, four and a half hours of pre-recorded video content and then this live session on Zoom with all the other students in the intake. We put them into WhatsApp and they're doing activities together. So it's concept of social learning and accountability. And it's been able to achieve really, really high completion rates, unlike, you know, other online self-paced courses, which hover around, you know, sub 10%. Education is one of those things where, you know, people really want change, um, but, you know, it's education is often one of those things that you keep trying to get to at the end of the day and you never end up getting there. And that's why, you know, um, the first generation, we call it kind of online education 1.0, was really about this online self-paced courses where, you you know, you come in and uh, you, it's it's a little bit lonely. You know, it's up to you. You're kind of in there. It's just you and the computer screen and you've got to work through the content at your own pace. We kind of do things, you know, um, uh, quite differently in that regard. But, yeah, there's definitely kind of two parts of the market. You know, there's the skills, which is like, hey, Teach me as quickly as you can, but without compromising on content, you know, what you need to learn. And then there's the, the the signal side of the market. That's the best way to, I guess, describe it to people. You know, that's actually the first time, and you know, I've, I've, I've been through college and that's the first time that somebody has um, made a, a distinction between the two because while, okay, so it's, it's, it's always a can of worms when, it, when I bring it up because the things people, uh, you'll understand why I, I, I stumble over this as I say it, but um, you know, growing up, I was I was big into comedy. I watched a lot of comedy on TV. Uh, I didn't know exactly where I wanted to go with comedy, but I knew I wanted to do it in some way, shape, or form. And in here in in Toronto, we have a comedy program. And I was like, well, is that our journalism? Bleh, I can't believe journalism even had a chance, honestly. So I go to the comedy program, and I and I get a and I get a degree for it. And and they tell you pretty much day one, look, this degree doesn't mean shit. So we're like, all right, well, <laughs> fair enough. But there was, you know, there was the skills development in it. There was the the social aspect. And what I what I appreciated about it in particular was it was like a microcosm for the industry. You got to experience pol- the politics of it. You know, the the infighting, all of the all the personal stuff that also comes along with an industry. As professional as we may be, we are still people. And then you get out of college, and then you you know face the real world, and it really does all of a sudden the scale of it suddenly becomes a lot more um, uh, digestible and it's like, oh, wow, there really is just a two-year microcosm. So that's to be kind of like un- unloading about the about my own experience there, just so people understand kind of like where I come from with, the, with these questions. What, I, what I'd like to hear about is, you know, what you, you know, what weight you want to see the degree hold in, you know, maybe in like, you know, five years down the line, 10 years down the line, um, what you want to see it do to help continue to legitimize, you know, social media as not just something for fun, but really something that businesses have come to rely on to make the difference between a successful business and a failure. Yeah, look, I, I think there was people, I remember four or five years ago that were calling the downfall of university and the end of, of people people doing formal qualifications. I think that's clearly not the case. I think yeah. that there's always going to be a place for them, particularly you know those people that are making a, a substantial career change or for professions that require it, I think is is, yeah. is one big thing. Or for um, you know school leavers, like people coming through. What we're seeing though, the interesting trend is this concept of, of micro credentials. And what a micro credential is is taking what was a big, chunky, expensive bachelor program and kind of breaking it down into smaller chunks that allow someone to really kind of. You remember those books? I was probably showing my age. You know the choose your own adventure books, right? I've it's I've done a, I've done a couple of those. Yep, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Arl Stein Choose Your Own Adventure book where every choice led to some sort of brutal murder. Yeah, I remember. That's correct. You know, and you could say, you know, if you choose this, you go to page 40. If you choose that, you go to yeah. page 32, right? So I think that's what's kind of happening now with, and universities uh, are starting to become a lot more open to different models, you know, and and we're, we're chatting with a bunch of them about this kind of boot camp concept where, you know, people come in and, they, they do like three months full-time and they don't necessarily get a qualification, but they study with the university. So it's like a, it's a non-award, non-award kind of certificate of completion from it, but from a, an awarding university. So I think there's just a myriad of models that are emerging and, you know, it's a really, really exciting space. I, I think that, you know, what we're going to see over the next five, 10, 20 years is it's just going to be a whole bunch of displacement, you know, where existing roles and industries this is way outside of social media you know obviously we're in a we're in a fun and exciting and dynamic space uh, one of the probably the, the most challenging aspect of our business is trying to keep up with all of the, the rate of change but mm-hmm. if you look more broadly at, at the education market i think that yeah the, the degree of displacement and, and upskilling that's going to be required as a result is, is huge and so i think yeah education is a really nice space to be in You know, you, you've touched on uh, you know the challenge of how rapidly the industry evolves and how that reflects on what uh, material you want to convey to the students. What I what I appreciate this to me was something that I appreciated a great deal in college myself too was that all of my professors and I don't think there was an exception. All of my professors were also active participants in the industry, and and that I think is a, a pretty significant. Benefit to being in these in these programs to you know um, one day they're a teacher and then someday down the line they could be a colleague or even a peer and 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 that to me is a is a source of inspiration given how quickly things can change in the uh, in the courses that uh, your your school is running so how are the faculty uh, uh, doing it how are they staying informed and you know deciding what alterations to make to the program and when. Yeah, so we we traditionally use what what we coined as a you know SMA a subject matter expert. So we would try to partner up with someone who already has you know a lot of success in a particular area. Like the guy we're working with, his name's Nathaniel Bibby in Australia. He's you know the number one LinkedIn marketer with the, you know some awards that are social media awards that are given out. He's won it last two years up for it again the third third time around. Right, he runs a LinkedIn marketing agency and he has you know. 20 top tier clients. So you look at this guy and you go, well, he's at the top of his game. Whatever he's doing, we need to kind of tap into his brain and work it out and get it, mm-hmm. get it on paper and, you know, get it into a course, right? And, you know, there's, the content's one thing. I mean, that, that's kind of, we like to think about that as the meal, right? So the content is the meal. But when you go into a restaurant, it's not just the meal that you think about to assess whether or not you enjoy the restaurant. It's the whole dining experience, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, the greeting that you get when you first come to the door. It's the smells. It's the music playing. It's the lighting. You know, it's this customer service, right? So there's a lot more that goes into a course beyond just the, the content that's in there. There's the, there's the whole experience with it. And a lot of it, you know, is kind of tapping into that research around what, the way in which you can deliver a course to maximize uh, output and maximize kind of mental retention because, um, and, and a lot of that's quite tactical in nature. You know, there's, there's certain things that like just getting people into the habit 
of if they're watching a, a course video to write notes, right? So the research is clear that when you write things down, then your mental retention skyrockets. Similarly, we try and get people to do, we have a whole bunch of let's talk activities where they have to discuss what they've just learned or do some type of activity, let's do it, right? So we, we have different kind of um, points at which we jump in and say, okay, it's time to actually apply the learning. Again, you know, your mm -hmm. mental retention will skyrocket. So, so I think when it comes to keeping these courses updated, um, there's the element of keeping the, the social media social media content updated, but then there's also making sure that you're you're constantly looking at all the trends that are occurring in in learning design to make sure that the, the courses are updated in that regard as well. What's happened? I I think interestingly, as we've evolved and the business has got bigger and the teams got larger, and you know, I've had to in a lot of cases, I was I was always the 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 person you know doing a lot of the courses myself, being that that social media expert, I've had to kind of gradually step back from that and, you know, push a lot of that onto the team so I can, you know, manage the growth of the business. More and more now we're actually bringing that expertise in house. You know, we've, we've identified that, you know, we, we actually are, are best placed to, to do a lot of that um, desk research ourselves and, and also learn from the experiences of our students. So that's always a really, really big thing. You know, when you're getting, we now do a lot of coaching with our social media marketing intensive program and, and these are daily group coaching calls. You know, when someone enrolls, they get coaching for a full year while, so that we help them with the implementation. And you learn, like you learn what challenges they're facing and we're like, okay, well, we need to add in course content that helps people to address that particular challenge or we need a template or we need a checklist or we need a, a calculator. You know, we need some type of tool that assists them with the challenges they're facing. And you, and you pick up these trends, right? So that's, I guess, one of the advantages that we've had from, um, from being large and SMEs still have a role. Like we still want to work with, with people and tap into it, but there's so much more to it. Now there's uh, desk research. Unfortunately, we're in a space where, you know, they, they, you've got uh, so many softwares, uh, social media softwares that are just so heavily juiced up on venture capital yeah. that the content that they're creating is, is amazing. Um, but, you know, part of that is that it's, it's quite piecemeal. And a lot, a lot of people will come to us and say, look, I've, you know, I subscribe to this blog and this blog and this blog. And, you know, there's the, the content's great, but I, I still can't work out what I need to, what I need to do in my particular business size and my particular industry um, and so forth. So a lot of that is, is kind of looking at, at the research that gets published also really following some of the, the content that the social media platforms are doing, you know, Facebook's got, Facebook Blueprint, which is great. They've got the creator's account on Instagram. Um, Adam Masseri is, you know, the head of Instagram. He publishes a lot of great content, you know, on his Instagram profile. So it's just knowing for each of the different social media platforms, what, what um, you know, what are they publishing? What content are they creating and putting out and making sure that that finds its way into the hands of the the students that study with us. And then a couple of things that suck out, uh, chief among them is also, I think, given the, the, material that you you teach there's uh you know a heightened dependence on its efficacy because you also use it to promote your business i keep coming back to engineering just because well, i have a friend who's an engineer and so you know there's that but i always I, it's always it's fun it's fun to me to you know compare and contrast you know uh, uh different uh, different courses and the and the dependency that they have on on their own on the survival of their course and based on the material they're teaching you know, and you know, good engineers come out of the engineering program, but engineering 
is, you know, is they're using word of mouth. They're using a completely different skill set in order to promote their program. Obviously, being good engineers makes it makes it that just to, just to show all all, of, all all just to show my my understanding of it. My goodness, I should have picked something in the arts to make a comparison. Anyways, so I'd like to hear your your commentary on you know your own need to you know use what you're teaching for the good of your own of your own business to to show that not only can we teach this, we also practice what we preach. And I think in your case, you you, you have to. Yeah, it's it it's definitely something. If we are active on social media, or if if we are investing in paid social media advertising formats, if we are, you know, actively emailing to our database, if we are doing all of those things that we promote in our course, then of course that is going to make us a better educator. But it's not necessarily essential, right? So if you look at and and part of I think the evolution of our business is realizing that the social media game has changed that the old days where you used to have as many social media logos as you possibly could on the bottom of your website is, is no longer kind of really relevant. What, what we, what we preach really is that you want to choose one or two platforms and nail those and get as much efficacy as you can out of them, as opposed to spreading yourself too thinly across lots of platforms. And if I look at the evolution of our business, you know, we started really, really aggressively on, on Instagram back in the day when you could actually get some, you know, pretty good results from, you know, using it organically. Uh, but over time, we've actually transitioned more towards paid advertising formats. And that's part of, part of the process that every business goes through from, you know, startup to, to growth to scale is that, you know, over time, you want to actually start adopting the paid advertising formats and, rely less on organic or organic changes, you know, organic becomes about more about branding and conversion and less about lead generation or, or direct, you know, driving of traffic. And that's kind of the phase that we're in. But, you know, a lot of our students are in that startup or, or scale for um, startup or, or growth phase. And for them, you know, they don't have a budget to invest in paid ads. Mm. And so for them, they have to use organic to, to therefore, um, you know, generate the traffic and the leads that they need to. So I think, and and one of the you know key one of the key personas that that we work with one of the key um, you know types of student that we have are social media agencies or social media freelancers, and for them you know a common mistake that we see is that they think that okay I'm 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 going out there and I'm helping say e-commerce businesses with their with their Instagram organic marketing for example, and therefore they think because they're providing their clients with help on Instagram organic that therefore they need to promote their own business using Instagram organic. And I'm like, no, like don't do that because you're going to get judged on like how you, you're a B2B business. You're, you're trying to target other business owners and you should be on LinkedIn. And that's where all your focus should be is, is prospecting and creating content on LinkedIn. And the percentage of people that actually post content to LinkedIn is quite low. So as a, as a B2B business, you can get you know, amazing organic traction on LinkedIn you don't need to be on Instagram. They're like, oh, but won't they want to look at my Instagram account to demonstrate my expertise? I'm like, show them one of your clients' accounts. Like, show them, you know, show them your expertise uh, to to pr prospective clients on one of your existing clients because they're in the same industry, and you know that you'll be able to to kind of demonstrate your expertise in that particular way. So, yeah, I I, I think just because coming back to your original question, just because you know we we are social media college, I I I. 
sort of say to the team, I don't think we need to have this ridiculously large presence across all the different social media platforms. The moment for us, it's all about, it's all about uh, YouTube, you know, YouTube and email marketing really for us is, is just a huge focus area and we're getting some incredible results out of that. And also out of our SEO, you know, which is outside of, of social media, we're in a fortunate position now where we can invest a lot into SEO. But that that's taken us, you know, two or three years to get there. And then, of course, you know, you got the the paid Facebook ads, which uh, mm-hmm. are, are a staple in the uh, in the budget. What I what I what I appreciate about this is uh, I think it's important for people to consider that this is a pretty optimal flow from you know your organic marketing strategy into. Um, paid advertising. Because if I were to, and I very nearly did, jump directly from setting up my business and then just going right into paid ads, not having a social media presence is a pretty significant disadvantage. I would say that the expectation that the general consumer has set is you got to have something. You, you know, have a have a Twitter feed, have have a Facebook group, have some means to know that I'm buying from another person. I don't think it's really viable anymore. And I would interested in being proven wrong about this, either by uh, yourself or if anybody wants to email podcast.com and let me know if I'm wrong. But I think you pretty much have to have your organic side uh, fleshed out before you move into paid ads. And even if it's not necessary, you probably should anyways, because it's just enhancing a lot more of that of that traffic and your, your conversions are going to be better because they're not going right to a landing page and are, you know being asked to convert in, a, in the first 10 seconds. Yeah. Look, there's... Definitely a Facebook page, right? So, I mean, everyone needs a Facebook page. It's a secondary website and you want to show that you're active, that the business is alive, that it's not some gravestone that has had no activity on it for the last, we call them graveyard, you know, graveyard profiles where there's been no activity for two years. People come to there and they go, this business must have died, right? That's not, you don't want to have that. So you need to be posting stuff to your Facebook page, but that's going to be different to your Instagram account, right? So your Instagram account, uh, you know, on your Facebook page, you're being more about community building and more about you know providing updates about what's happening in your organization and so forth. Whereas with Instagram, what we uh, promote is that your content really needs to be value adding to people. But you know, Instagram now there's there's 200 million Instagram business accounts. Right, mm-hmm. it, it has become the barriers to entry are incredibly low. Anyone can go and set up an Instagram business account, and as a result you may not be competing with this amazing photographer for directly in terms of what you're selling, but you're competing with him or her for the attention of users in the newsfeed. And so that's the kind of mindset that you need to have. If you're going to have, you're going to have a presence on a platform and this comes back to the narrow your focus, like be on less platforms. And that way you like, don't, you don't need to be on YouTube and Twitter and LinkedIn, all those, just be on Facebook and Instagram or just be on Facebook and YouTube. Right. Um, because if you're going to be on a platform, you're going to get judged on that. Like people are going to come and check you out. And, you know, if they come to your Instagram account and it's because you've only got 30 minutes a week to dedicate to it, that you've only been able to collect like, you know, 80 followers or something like that, like people will judge you, you know, they'll look at that and they'll go, oh, this mustn't be a very good business. Right. So again, narrow your focus is probably the best advice I can have. And, and just understand that um, because it's so competitive, you're going to need, and, and the way the algorithms work, you, you're going to need kind of every efficiency hack under the sun. Mm-hmm. Right? So not only does your content need to be super high value and engaging to your audience because that's ultimately what the, the platforms respond to, you're also going to need to, you know, running a business is hard. Like, you know, there's not a lot of time in the day. There's so much to do. 
that you don't want to be bogged down. You don't want to be walking around with your smartphone every day going, oh, what am I going to post today, right? You need to bulk produce like a month's worth of content or three months worth of content, schedule it up using, using a scheduling tool and then just get on with your life, you know? Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing how many people come to us just in this state of, of, of flux <laughs> and, and frustration because they're just like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, you know? I spend a half an hour, 45 minutes every day doing a post and I'm not getting any engagement from it. And I'm like, stop, like right there. That's the number one issue you've got is that you're not planning your content. You're not thinking about how do I create this in bulk um, and, how, you know, using the scheduling software because, you know, algorithms now, they, they they respond to consistency. So you can't have like two or three days off. If, if you're going to be on a platform, if you choose to be on Instagram, you have to post every single day, like every single day. And if you don't, yeah, you just don't get much benefit from the algorithm um, as a result. So narrow the focus and, and make sure that what you're doing is you're doing as efficiently as possible is probably the best advice. And, and it's and it's good advice. And it's also relieving advice too. Um, the idea of having to hit up every social media platform in order for the business to succeed can be you know off-putting and it can be intimidating. Uh, but conversely, specializing and really understanding which platform is right for the business. You know, the, I think the more visual leaning, obviously Instagram is a, is a good place for that. B2B, LinkedIn, um, my, my question is, and I'm thinking specifically about Facebook for this one, but you know, the other platforms, I'm sure there's, um, important insights there too. Uh, I, I came up with this in the last episode, um, which was, it's called the empty dance floor syndrome where, you know, you have everything set up, but no one is ready to take the first, you know, get, be the first person on the, on the dance floor. And, and the answer that I had gotten um, from the previous guest was, you know, eventually somebody uh, gets the courage to look the fool, be in the middle of the dance floor on their own, and then other people start supporting it. So that was that was one answer to it. But um, what I'm wondering from your experience is, you know, those, those initial hurdles to start generating activity, to me especially, it's probably one of the most intimidating things in how, how to get the momentum going, how to get people to start talking. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a question we get all the time. And, and mm-hmm. usually... Well, everyone's going to go through it. If you're talking about a Facebook page, for example, you know, um, I remember when we first started social media college, we we're like, geez, we're social media college, talk about being judged on our social media profiles. You know, we've got zero people that like our Facebook page. What we did is is just actually message, like sent direct messages to like, uh, you know, 50 of our closest friends and said, hey, can we just get this page going, um, you know, from there? And then and then it was all, you know, that's when the content takes over. Um, and and certainly now, like it's it's different for every single platform. You know, if you look at, I think everyone needs to understand that there's a bit of a divide between, say, Pinterest and YouTube, mm-hmm. and all of the other platforms where it's more of a short-term sugar hit. And what I mean by that is that with Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, um, LinkedIn, like you need to be creating content all the time, right? You've got to be really, really consistent. Content's got to add value to your audience. And you just, you know, it's it's this, you know, a lot of people talk about this content treadmill. It's just like constantly creating content to engage your audience, keep them engaged. And if you stop, that's when you get penalized. Like if you think of, um, and sorry, before I come back, if you think about the other ends, you know, if you look at YouTube and Pinterest, they are predominantly search-based social media platforms. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that people are actually looking for your content. Like we, we've got this video up, just, you know, hit 100K views. We put it up four years ago, right? And we didn't think it was that good at the time that we put it up. We're still getting comments. We're still getting people viewing that particular video and we're, it's still now driving traffic, right? So 
if you're a business that has the patience, but it, it's slow, right? So you post a video and it takes, you know, in a lot of cases, it takes a long time to get going. And then all of a sudden it can actually hit, hit some traction. You know, you tweak the thumbnail to get people to start clicking on it because of that recommendation engine that that YouTube has. And, and it's similar with Pinterest, right? So similar Pinterest is, is predominantly search-based. You've got to understand, you've got to get in the mindset of, of each of these platforms. You know, they're businesses, right? And they're designed to sell ads. That's their whole purpose, right? Everything they do ultimately will come back in some way, shape, or form to them wanting to sell more ads. And so how do they sell more ads? They sell more ads because people log into the app more often. And when they're on the app, people have a really good experience. I mean, if they have a really, really good experience, it means that they're on the app longer, right? The combination of those two things, people logging into the app more often and being on there longer gives Facebook, LinkedIn, whoever, more ad spots. They make more money, okay? So what what these platforms do is they reward people that promote a good experience for their users. So if you're... You know, if you're a, they call them creators, so influencer, right? So if you're a, a you know, a Facebook creator now um, or Instagram creator, what Instagram is doing is they're, they're providing all of these tools to creators now to help them monetize what they do because they've realized, hey, these people are creating lots of really great, high quality, engaging content and it's adding to the experience of Instagram users and that helps us sell more ads. And so this big trend at the moment across all the different platforms is around, you know, making sure that, that you um, reward creators for the work that they do. And I think if you understand that, like as, as a business owner, as a, as a marketer, if you understand that's what you need to do, then, then certainly if you're playing that organic game, you, know, where you, you just need to make sure that you're creating a lot of content on a consistent basis and adding to the experience of users on there and the algorithm will reward you for that. That's how, that's how they promote it. The number one way is to actually give you more reach. That's what the algorithm does. It, it provides you, it shows your content to more people and therefore you get you know free marketing off the back of it. Yeah, one thing I like going on what happens on YouTube is you know just random videos will will pop up and I'll click on it like and then everybody in the comments saying, "Well, it looks like the algorithm gods have uh, united us on this fine day." Good day to all of you gentlemen. Just like a thousand people all saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, algorithm brought me here." So it, it, it's a it's, it's certainly a real thing for sure. It's it's interesting. Like I, you know, I think that that's the other big trend at the moment is it's just around these recommendation engines and it really started. I mean, I. I Personally, I think YouTube's is the best, but it's amazing how many times you go on and you search for something, you know, how do I schedule an Instagram post? And then 45 minutes later, you're watching a giraffe video, right? So it, <laughs> it, it just has this element of, of being really, really good at it. And then I think TikTok's taken this engine is, is fantastic, right? It's just, you know, people are on there and you can see that it, they just roll through these videos and they're really, really good at suggesting additional content. And you've seen now Instagram is, is on notice. You know, TikTok grew from 50 billion users to a, sorry, 50 million users to a billion users in, a, in about two years. And it took Instagram 10 years to get there. So Instagram kind of hurriedly released Reels. Now Reels is something that's really, really growing strongly. But they're, they're giving more reach to users who are using, uh, Instagram users who are using Reels because they're trying to blunt the growth of TikTok. Right? They're trying to slow down TikTok because they see them as a big competitive threat. And you can hear them for the first time. You know, They're talking about how they see TikTok as this big threat in the industry. Now, YouTube's released YouTube Shorts, which is another TikTok. LinkedIn's talking about releasing a you know, short-form vertical mobile um, feature as well. And so I think whenever these new features come up, 
certainly one one piece of advice we always have for people is whenever these new features come up by a particular social media platform, jump on board because typically they the the you know Instagram or the other social media platforms they will encourage people to use those new features by giving them more reach. And so at the moment, certainly you know with Reels, you're seeing really really good reach, and they've actually turned it down a little bit on the on the feed posts. Now that Shopify has upgraded to version 2.0, we needed to make sure we were up to speed. So we've released version 4.0 to ensure that we're 100% equipped to take advantage of the 2.0 revolution. If you haven't upgraded your store, head on over. And if you haven't gotten started, now's as good time as any. I think this is actually one of the shortest questions I've ever written on the, on the program, which was like, you know, what was your take on, on YouTube shorts? So when you see, you know, a, a feature like that, I think the first thing that I, that came to my mind is, ah, I see that they've also uh, recognized and acknowledged the, um, the, the, the impending dominance of TikTok. So they say, well, I guess we're going to have to do this, do it too. And I don't know, it, it, I, I, I'm, I'm curious about, I guess, the, the message that I might communicate to its user base when, a, on the one hand, a platform is inspired and wants to offer a new feature and a new way to create content. And on the other side, it's almost like an act of desperation or, or an act of fear, which is, well, now we have to do this too, because if we don't, we're, we're kind of dead in the water here. Yeah, I, look, I think, I think with any industry, like you take a step back from social media, what we're really talking about is advancements in, you know, in products. Right, so they their platforms are products, and what has happened, you know, it happened with Stories, with Snapchat. Snapchat came out with a new product, a new feature on their particular platform. Instagram copied it. TikTok, you know, has some huge growth, so they kind of saw that, went, "Wow, that's a great feature. We can add that into Instagram." Right, so I think what we're talking about here is is kind of new formats, right? And so mm -hmm. we would expect that, you know, there will be other formats that come along at certain points of time as well and capture people's imagination and some other upstart, you know, we're talking about huge companies now. Like if Facebook is a massive established company now and there's always going to be new startups that come along and, and still share that mm -hmm. capture people's attention because people get, you know, like anything, like any existing product, people tire of it. They get a little bit over using it and something new and shiny comes along and they jump on it. Right. So I mm -hmm. think, yeah, to a certain extent, I say, yeah, businesses are entitled to roll out new products, new features to compete with their competition. And I, and I think that's what we've seen Instagram do. I think that's what we've seen YouTube do. And apparently LinkedIn is going to do it. Interesting, you know, LinkedIn came along and they, they tried stories and stories has been, you know, hasn't, hasn't really resonated with their particular audience base. Um, and so there's a lot of talk about do they wind that back? Do you know, do they do they cease doing it, and do they try something like TikTok? Don't know. And and you know, I it's yet to be seen whether or not um, YouTube Shorts is something that, that YouTube has announced they're giving away a hundred million dollars to creators, to people to create YouTube Short content. I mean, it's it's it's, it's insane. I mean, they're, they're dangling a massive cherry in front of people to try and get people to use this new feature in YouTube because they're realizing that hey, hold on a second, whereas people. I mean, YouTube remains the only place on the internet really where people go to watch long-form video content. All the other platforms, they don't really go there for a long period. Like when you're watching a video on Facebook, the data is pretty clear. Like people don't watch videos more than like 30 seconds or a minute. Yeah. Yeah, people go to Facebook Watch, uh, which is this dedicated tab within Facebook or IGTV videos on Instagram, but it's got nowhere near the traction that YouTube has, right? So YouTube's kind of out there on its own. 
terms of the place where people go to watch long form video content. Along comes TikTok and just throws this massive spanner in the works. What, what, because of the strength of its recommendation engine, what was finding, even though the videos are only short, you know, 15, 30 seconds a minute or something like that, what, because of the strength of the recommendation engine, people were watching, you know, 20, 30 of these things, finding themselves on TikTok for, for an hour at a time, just going, wow, and just, you know, constantly scrolling through the, or getting these videos recommended to them. And that's a threat. That is a threat to YouTube. It's a threat to YouTube's dominance as a place where people go and hang out and watch lots of videos. So not not surprising that they've decided to to roll out shorts. And but on the on the on, on the flip side with TikTok, because their their initial feature is is, is such a specific um, media format. Um, it, whereas with you know with YouTube, it's a video it being a video website, um, and as you say, it's the only place for long form content. But there is also content of varying lengths. Like the algorithm today showed me a video that was seven seconds. You know, it, so so I think the conditioning there with YouTube is uh, is is pretty loose. People might be conditioned to expect long content, two minute content. Um, the conditioning on TikTok is pretty well all under a minute. So I do have to wonder where expansion is for them. Like if they might get into image sharing, like with Instagram or if they could even feasibly go for a longer form content. I don't, I don't know. It's, I don't see it. Yeah. But, it's, yeah. it's, it, it's hard to know. Um, certainly if you speak to some of the larger agencies, uh, I think, I think in terms of monetization, I think TikTok's doing a really, really good job. And, and that helps with, with the credibility for it as a platform. You know, you're starting to see larger brands having a pretty active presence on there because, you know, in a lot of cases, it's cheaper than, than being on Facebook. And so that's good. And, and that ultimately, the more, you know, commercially viable the business becomes, the more they have in, in CapEx to, you know, invest in improving the platform and, and rolling new stuff out. So yeah, I mean, it's exciting. You know, so we, we, we really enjoy just kind of seeing, you know, one of the other big news stories uh, was, was the removal of the, you know, the, the removal of the likes from Instagram and then the backflip to actually get people to opt out of it. So yeah, I mean, there's always, always a lot of exciting stuff happening in and around the industry, but it's certainly, I, you know, TikTok, you know, if I think back to last year, TikTok just, it just changed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the first time, you've now got what you really had a market that was pretty much dominated by by Facebook and, and YouTube. And then all of a sudden now you've had this new player come into the market. And it's exciting. I, I think it's really kind of mixed things up. It's given uh, creators, you know, businesses a chance to to jump onto a new platform, new trend. doesn't necessarily mean that all businesses have their audience on TikTok, but it's certainly, you know, a way whereas you know, some of the other older, more established platforms, it was getting really hard. You know, was, they're so competitive, so many businesses marketing there. So I think, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really, really good thing for the industry, TikTok. Only because I've said it numerous times on the, uh, on the show, I would hate for my audience to think I stopped being a tinfoil hat wearing guy. I'm still a tinfoil hat guy. So, you know, some of the things that I've heard about TikTok and its relationships to, you know, certain countries, it, it, it makes it hard for me to want to fully embrace a platform. But what I will say is I have worn down over time. And little by little, I find myself using TikTok more, which is to say the time between it's installed on my phone and not installed on my phone is getting more and more protracted. So uh, in, in another year, we'll, we'll see what uh, where, where, where I'm at with it. If you asked me, you know, 12 months ago, 
my my answer would have been I don't think TikTok will be around in three months because I think the government's going to ban it, you know, because of its its links links to China. So don't know. I mean, I think I think they've become a large enough business now that they they see that as a risk, as a major risk that you know they don't want to do anything that would potentially result in the app getting banned in a particular geography because mm-hmm. it would have pretty pretty catastrophic pretty catastrophic um, results, you know, uh, outcomes for, for them overall um, if you started seeing those news headlines, particularly in any of the top OECD countries. So, I, look, I, I, I think they've, they've probably done enough now to assure the governments of the respective countries that, that all of this data isn't ending, ending up back with the Chinese government, but, you know, <laughs> that trust is broken and it, it could be a domino, you know, and you could see, and, but we'll, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, what I, what I will say, and, I'll I'll say it positively, um, you know, about about the format. You know, it could have been TikTok, could have been any other number of names or companies or or, or countries that have done it. But um, the the thing that surprised me, you know, even talking to some of the people who are TikTok experts, is that what people thought they were going to use it for is so far removed from everything that it is capable of. Now we've we talked to a lot of dropshippers on this on this program, and dropshippers will, will will point to several things like you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. So not only has it turned into a great place for you know for fun, um, but it has also turned into a pretty surprising um, place to uh, be exposed to highly con- condensed information. And mm-hmm. being somewhat you know p- uh, politically leaning, what I was probably the most pleased with was. I was seeing both sides of an argument and I don't want to say what arguments are going on. I think most people recording this know exactly what I'm talking about, but I saw both sides. And that to me was huge because not every platform is actually so open towards letting both sides of an argument be, be played out. Yeah. Look, like any, like any new business, there's always the kind of early adopters and, and, and the advocates and those that come in and really lead forward the, the, penetration of it you know and then over time as you've experienced you know uh, it's as as adoption has grown more and more people are jumping on board and going hey there's a lot of legitimacy related to this particular platform and i think if they keep doing what they're doing then it'll become a mainstay in the you know in the competitive landscape of, of different social media platforms so yeah it's 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 yeah as i keep saying it's a, it's a pretty exciting space for us to to watch uh, i think one of the best things about what we do is is the need to constantly update our courses because it means that people need retraining you know people come to us they did we've had people graduate from our course you know a social media marketing intensive program and then two years later you know coming back and they're doing it again like hey i want the fresh content i want to go through Mm -hmm. the experience again or there was a whole bunch of stuff that i didn't implement the first time around that i want to come back and i want to do it properly you know this this time around um, but one one of the most challenging things about what we do is the rate of change in what's there. So I guess one of the upsides is that when we go and speak to, you know, the colleges, universities of the world, I mean, they look at the social media space and they go, wow, there's there's so much change there. We couldn't even, we, we're not even going to try and touch that particular space. When you talk about, you know, gardening or, or something that doesn't have a ton of change over time, something mm-hmm. that's mostly evergreen, then a lot of the traditional education institutions go, well, I'm happy to, Happy to invest the resources because I might I might do this course and know that I've got three, four, five, ten years out of the course. With social media, I mean, we write a course and sometimes, literally, we're we're, we're dotting the t- dot, crossing the t's and dotting the i's, and then something happens and we've got to go back and we've got to we've got to change the content in the course because of 
some you know evolution or some update from one of the platforms so yeah it's it's it, it is an exciting space very dynamic and which you know has its challenges but also a lot of benefits for us as well i, I consider myself um a, a a fundamentals person a lot of this comes from my um my, my competitive game experience um because what you find in games is that they get changed a lot by the developers a certain ability is too powerful the need to bring things in line and what that does is you have this this meta to the game where mastery of it is is ever changing and evolving and actually find that kind of frustrating um if i i i would always say if somebody were to make chess today they would have to undergo changes because people would say the queen is too powerful but the the less something changes the more you can um, fixate on the fundamentals so like we were saying with uh you know with gardening you know what are the fundamentals of gardening well you know got to you know you know understand soil understand weather uh, understand tools and and then you specialize into the kind of flowers or plants or crops or whatever it is that you want to do um, but, but, but with you and your, and your program, um, have you gone to the point where you can assess or surmise what are the fundamentals to this or are even your roots and your foundations still up for, you know, uh, up for routine changing? We talk a lot about principles and platforms, yeah. you know, principles and platforms. And that, that's a really, really nice kind of framework, I think, for most of our students to wrap their heads around, which is, hey, there's a bunch of stuff that you need to do that applies to any platform and that's going to be things like you know strategy it's going to be things like content creation it's going to be things like um you know what's the post click experience from social through to your website you know thinking through things like that you know using lead magnets etc etc right so there's there's a there's a bunch of principles that it doesn't really matter what course you're delivering that they they kind of need to understand um and then where where a lot of the change comes in is in the platforms you know that's where you know you you have this this kind of mixture if you don't have a good strategy i think you're really going to struggle on social media right so you've got to define that strategy but then the tactical implementation of that can can change and it can change you know in the space of months you know um depending on because what what they decide to do with the algorithm. The challenge is that they just don't tell you, right? So they, they'll make these changes. They provide more and more. They're providing hints. There's a bunch of accounts. And I mentioned Masseri. You know, um, if anyone out there who's an Instagram marketer, jump on uh, and follow Adam Masseri on Instagram. He's the head of Instagram and, and they use his account to provide a lot of guidance and a lot of, you know, do this kind of myths and legends type stuff where he clears up a lot of, rumors that circulate about how the algorithm works and so you know like for example the other day he was talking about hashtags a lot of people use hashtags in the first comment and he actually said no don't do that like put them in the actual caption as well that kind of that sort of stuff is really really great they, they provide guidance on on how their algorithms work but they don't tell you exactly and the reason they don't tell you exactly is because if they did everyone would copy it right so right. i think i think what if, if you're going to use social media to grow your business, I think you, you're committing to lifelong learning. You know, you're committing to, yes, come in, learn the fundamentals, learn the core principles, but then, you know, come out the other side of one of our courses, you're ready, you attack, but you've got to understand that things might change and they might change quite quickly. And so you've got to make sure you're committed to keeping abreast of, of whatever the changes are. And I think that in itself is is uh, is a core fundamental as well. Is you know conditioning people to observe changes, being able to uh, to adapt to them. I mean, I, I you know, one might say that that should be a fundamental in 
many schools, but well, as we were yeah. discussing, it, it's actually not the case, depending on how you know ingrained and how rooted things are. Uh, okay, we we both did a uh, did a plant pun without realizing it because you said evergreen with gardening, and then I said rooted. Okay, anyways, uh, we're uh, we're we're pretty close to, to hitting an hour, and uh, and I have to say, there's certainly uh, some some other things um, uh, on the mind. Uh, one thing I wanted to make sure I did, um, just in case you know, I, I got to let you go. Is uh, I did want to hear a case study of um, of, of one of your students because I think for a lot of people, you know, we I think it would just be helpful to hear you know what exactly happens to somebody who, in particular, who's coming to the program, you know, what happens to them uh, on their way out. I mean, you know, there's people they they come into to come back to study as well, continuing the, the learning. But anyways, yeah, I, I would love to hear a case study. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you three, and th- and they kind of talk to the different you know, cohorts of students that we have. I mean, first is that, that free social media freelancer or agency um, owner. We had, this is very, very recent. um, And we've got a ton of them up on our our website if anyone wants to go and have a look at some of them. But very recently, this lady named Claire, she came to us and one of the key things we preach is like, you need to focus on a particular niche, right? So the niche for social media service providers is typically a combination of targeting an, an industry and targeting one, one type of service like Facebook ads or LinkedIn organic or YouTube organic or whatever it is, right? So try and narrow what you do because it's less competitive. You can make more of a name for yourself and charge a premium over and above what everyone else is charging, right? So she came in and she I think she works in the hotel industry or something along those lines. And she came to me and we, we have these kind of mental calls, one-on-one mental calls. And she said, look, I, I'm thinking about doing you know, Instagram organic for pet brands. And I said, look, I actually, you know, as a management consultant, I actually worked on a uh, M&A transaction years ago in the pet industry and it's huge, right? It's a massive market. And I was like, wow, that, that's a really good niche. And I think there's a lot of pet big, you know, pet brands out there that could afford to pay you a good, good amount of uh, good fees per month. And, but I said, what experience do you have in the pet industry? And she said, I, I have none. And she goes, I just love dogs. And I'm like, okay. And then I was like, look, you know, I think it was the hotel industry. I said, look, tell me about that. She's like, yeah, I worked in it for 20 years and blah, blah, blah. And she went through it all. And I could just tell that like there was just something there. She just wasn't, she, she, she'd left that industry. And I said, as my, and I was kind of pushing it towards her. I said, look, you've got so much experience there. You've got to understand if you're going into an industry, you don't know anything about, uh, forget social media. You're going to learn, need to learn that industry. You're going to need to learn the competitive dynamics, uh, the, the pricing, et cetera related to that industry. But I could tell she just wasn't passionate about the, I think it was the hotel industry anymore. And so anyway, funnily enough, like it's one of those kind of serendipitous things. Someone, one of a friend approached her and said she'd put herself out there that she was doing this social media course on LinkedIn and approached her and she was actually from the pet industry, right? You talk about manifesting what you want. And anyway, she managed to, to sign up this client while she was doing the course on, on 2K per month for, for 12 months, right? As the, as the initial term. So she already got five times her investment in the social media marketing intensive program while studying the course. She got out of the course. I think two weeks later, she signed up her second client. And that's kind of our model, you know, five clients, 2K per month. That's kind of your initial starting point to get your agency off the ground. And then that's the point at which you go, yeah, I'm kind of hitting that 10K per month mark. What's next? Do I want to grow into a larger agency or am I happy, you know, with, with what I've got with this selection of, of, of clients that I have? And, and so she signed up a second one. So, I mean, she's looking at like 10X on her investment in our program in like three weeks after graduating from it. You know, so, so that, that to me is like the best case study I can give you. Another guy, um, I, I'll never forget, his, his name was Adam. And he, 
he came into our course and at the time we weren't actually teaching messenger at all came through the intensive program and then went and got a job as like a messenger marketing specialist and i was like huh like okay well we didn't teach you like we mentioned it you know we're not we didn't go too deep on on messenger and and he was like no look you know what you did is you provided this this injection of confidence and structure so that i could go and talk about you know they weren't looking for someone they were looking for someone at an entry level um they don't necessarily you know, want someone who understands all the intricacies of, of automated messenger marketing, what they were looking for was someone with, that could talk the talk and understand the, the social media marketing industry. And so he's got this job and now he's one of the top messenger marketing, um, you, you know, people in, in the country. Um, and you know, we, we chat all the time. He's a lovely guy. So and look, there's more, there's more. Yeah, you can jump on yeah. my YouTube, but a co- couple of examples of, of great outcomes for our students. It's, it's fantastic to hear. And it is especially, um, you know, encouraging to hear that you know, things really took off for, 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 for that, uh, for that lady. And you, you said it was three weeks. Yeah. That's not, yeah, too, that's yeah, that's not too bad. That's not too bad at all. I, so. I mean, you know, these are the ones we, we actually put tags on them, like one to watch. You know, and and then mm-hmm. we like to get in contact with them twelve months later and hear about all this. You know, this, there's there's so many we've lost count. Yeah, it's it's great. You know, and education is this wonderful thing. And we're people who work in education, it's this kind of you get this little warm fuzzy feeling because it tends to be you know an investment that people make or a commitment that people make that puts their whole lives off on this. You know, it's like a fork in the road, puts their life in a whole new direction. And when it you know, when that, when that new direction turns out to be something that's really, really positive and, you know, has an improvement in their life, uh, when you hear those stories, it, it, yeah, it's, it's the most rewarding thing in the world. It's wonderful to hear. I mean, I, 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 do, I do relate in a, in, a, in a smaller scale because, you know, I, uh, here, in, here in Toronto, um, I was able to help out, you know, a few people on a person-to-person basis, understand podcasting and how to get into all of that. And so, yeah, just to uh, just to uh, back you up on that point, knowing that we've been able to you know unlock information for other people, uh, it does go uh, it does go a long way. So I, I feel you on that. We've hit our hour. Uh, I've got one more question for you. This one's you know in the in the, in the interest of fun. Um, so this was somewhere between the fifteenth and the seventeenth time that I installed and uninstalled TikTok, and I saw this video of. It's hard to describe, but it's like rows and rows of people. And I think they're saying that it was in China and they're all behind a ring light and they've all talking into their phone. And it's like this, like, it almost had like a militaristic feel to it. It's like a military academy, but, but for influencers. And I, I, I tried to like find more, find out more about it in preparation for this, but it's, it's actually somewhat hard to follow up on. Um, either way, the question it raises is, you know, looking into, you know, the next uh, uh, four or five years uh, beyond just just TikTok, do you see there being a saturation point where it gets to the point now where you have like, you know, one influencer for every two people? Or, you know, where do you where, where do you kind of see the, the, you know, the social media landscape going from here? Look, I think I think the the. You know, I, I use the words, we used to call them channels, we call them platforms now. So sure. so really what what these companies do is they create these social media platforms and and, and they let people, they let the market kind of tell them exactly how it works. But mm-hmm. like we talked about, you know, it 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 is become it has become incredibly competitive. And of course, in any kind of competitive market, if there aren't the returns there for people, then they're gonna leave that market. Right. So I think. I think, of course, you know, you know, we're we're seeing now the the commercialization of influencers, 
Um, but of course, yeah, it, it does reach a point, uh, not just on one platform, I think across the entire industry where it does reach kind of saturation point where people go, well, the returns just aren't there for me anymore. And you do tend to get people that kind of push through that point and then go on to be very successful with what they do. Um, or you get people that you know, drop out. Certainly, if you look at the data, and this is one of the key things that we look at, is surveys that go out to all the top companies, uh, medium to large companies, uh, particularly in the US, and asking them about, do you intend to increase? The key question is, do you intend to increase your investment on influencer marketing next year? All right. And for the last, I think, like 10 years in a row, uh, it's over over 80% of people have said yes. All right. So, obviously if we always look where are the dollars going right so if people are putting more and more money we're talking about you know influencer marketing being a 15 billion dollar industry like it's it's absolutely huge and so i think if people are um continually pouring money into um into influencer marketing then obviously it's working okay and as long as it's working as long as there's money pouring into it you can expect growth so that's that that's going to be my forecast i i think i think we're going to see it's being tidied up as well. That's the other big thing. You know, we're, a lot of the platforms where you can go, like the you know the Air, Airbnbs for influencers, a lot of those platforms are now working a lot harder to to vet the influencers to make sure they're genuine and they're authentic, and that's improving brand safety. It's improving confidence in using influencer marketing. So my prediction is you ain't seen nothing yet. I think mm-hmm. I think it's going to continually grow, and those dollars that influencers are making are going to attract. A whole new breed of, and don't forget, we got this, we got this generation of of people coming through now who have no, never known anything but social media, mm-hmm. right? So, and 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 these are the ones where they're they're so savvy, right? It's 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 ridiculous, right? So you got this whole generation just about to hit their kind of twenties that have known nothing but social media, and when they do, I think you, again, you'll see even more. Um, dollars flowing into influencer marketing, so yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a big space. Two things. One of them, uh, one of the main things that really stuck out in your in your answer is that you know not everybody is going to follow through. Some people do, and they become a success. Some people they find they find a happy place where maybe it's just a hobby to them. And it did remind me that there are a lot of industries already you know facing this. If people want to get into acting, it's it's fairly entry level, but not as many people make it in acting as they do people who try out. So there are a lot of parallels to this, and I and I had forgotten about that. Uh, and then the other thing that I stuck out. This is just completely me uh, blasting off into space at this point, uh, pardon the expression, but I, I, I would like to see at what point when people are going to make sci-fi television or sci-fi movies with social media present, because you notice they don't really have that too much of a component, but it should be there because it, I, it's hard to see us. Uh, yeah. Like you said, it's hard to see us going, going away from this. Yeah. I mean, there's, I've, I've heard some, I've heard some pretty, pretty crazy predictions in my time. Um, and it's hard to know. Like it's hard to know where it's going to end. But but certainly, what you're talking about, I think, is this concept of lo-fi uh, video, right? Where what works, even for marketers, you know, in particular, what works on social media is when it doesn't necessarily have a great production value, mm-hmm. because what it comes when it's user generated, it comes across as it comes across as more authentic and more at home, more native to the feed than it does, you know, when it's this kind of high production value. And so 
you know, coming back to, to your example, I, I absolutely like you, you just think at what point does a lot of the things that we see currently in video, which are, you know, high production value, how do they start to actually bring that back to more of this kind of, and, and, and that's kind of what, where TikTok has, has thrived, you know, in this, this concept of, of comedy, right? So you think, you know, comedy videos, I think that's happened there. So why it can't, it can happen anywhere, right? It can happen to any of the genres of video that we have. Well, I, there's, I mean, we can, I, I, I imagine that we can, uh, we can keep on, uh, keep on going with this. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let it go for here, but doors open more than happy to have you back, uh, down the way and, and see how many times I've installed TikTok since my prediction. Yeah. No, about 25, no, 26. We'll see. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. no, like I said, yeah, as you can tell, it's, Sorry, so I was just saying, you know, each each episode lasts longer. So, we'll, yeah, we'll see where you're up to. But no, look, I, uh, I you know, I love talking about it. It's it's one of my um, favorite pastimes, sort of predicting what's going to happen in the social media marketing industry, and also just you know telling people what we're seeing is the best tactics and tricks that that we can use. I mean, we didn't touch too much on e-commerce, but certainly mm-hmm. would uh, yeah be happy to come back and talk about some of the key marketing tactics and strategies that we're seeing. Um, you know, students have a lot of success with, with e-commerce. So yeah, I'd love to, love to come back. Okay. Fantastic. Um, well, the, the final wrap up question, um, it's, it's in two parts. It's if you have say like a Chinese proverb or like a saying or quote you'd like to share, you're welcome to do so. And then let the audience know how they can make contact. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I'll, I'll address the, the second question first. So just jump on uh, www.socialmediacollege.com and you can um, check out what we do. And yeah, if you if you can to get in contact, please do us and you can find us on all the socials just by searching Social Media College. Favorite quote. So I've got one. I've got a couple. Um, the, the first is from Nelson Mandela and his one was, uh, fondest dreams, your greatest expectations are never met. Remember this, the greatest glory of life lies not in never falling, but rising every time you fall. And I think, you know, business owners, marketers, same, um, you know, same sort of mindset required, which is, look, you're going you're gonna to encounter challenges along the way, um, but it's not about not encountering those challenges. It's about learning from them, understanding that they're a gift, and then, mm-hmm. you know, persevering through those challenges. They're the people that come out on top. It's the ones that just roll with the punches and, and just keep going, right? Um, don't try and aim for no failure because that that's an impossible task that's there. And the second one is that one more related and we have a bunch of T-shirts and caps and all this sort of stuff. And, and this is probably our favorite quote at Social Media College, which is uh, the best way to predict the future is to create it. So mm-hmm. I'll leave everyone with that. Excellent. Well, I, I too feel that is best left with to our audience. So to everybody, uh, as always, it is an honor and a privilege to collect this information, use it for my own benefit, good just being transparent about that, and share it with all of you as well. Uh, one more thank you to uh, Jonathan Tanner uh, for the role. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the, uh, the next part of this conversation for sure. Awesome. Thanks, Joseph. Had a great time. All right, everybody. Take care, and we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify, 
If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.